0: Go to my everydaydope.com for merchandise and to keep up with the dope Everyday dope, the ones who enhance the flow. You know them Bruce Lee Royce and possess the glow. Yo, you're the last dragon, so you're good to go. You're giving back to the world, or why you're crushing the your gold? See, you ain't gotta see it. You can just be it. You're the street's hope. Yeah, God told me you're dope, and you're here just to give us some pearls. We appreciate that so we can share with the world. See, so you ain't gotta see it You can just be it. You're the Yeah, God told me you dope Dope-to-dope-to-dope-dope You're dope to dope to dope you dope do Ah, yes, yes, yes Welcome to Everyday Dope, the podcast about dope people who do dope things And when do they do these dope things? Well, quite frankly, they do them every day I'm your host, Mr. Sheffield Today's guest is gonna be Adjo, a.k.a. Calvin Brown He's a successful entrepreneur he owns Cairo Consulting, and his license plate says "Apps" because he's the definition of it's an app for that.
1: How you doing today, hey Joe? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having
0: me. Man, and I got hot outside. I'm slick, musty. <laughs> <laughs> got
1: a little tangy. Little
0: tangy. I'm about to take a shower with in a it, minute, but it's been a long day. I went to see the uh, Obama portraits today. You seen those? I have. At the high, you mean? Yeah, because you're all fancy. You no, know? I'm not. <laughs> I really Look, love our guy all fancy and culture.
1: <laughs> <laughs> From the gravel road of Mississippi.
0: The gravel road of Mississippi. Um, but you're in Atlanta now. That's right. Best town in America, in my in my head anyway. Yeah, man. It was voted number one. Even though we just found out that most of Atlanta is not Atlanta. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Conyers is definitely not Atlanta. It's definitely not Atlanta. Uh, but we take y'all in the way. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you cheer for my sorry Falcons. We love you. Oh, man. The Falcons are everything. (laughs) I'm getting paid to say that. Uh, Exactly. 50 cent. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to start you off the same question we ask
1: everybody else who comes to Everyday Dope. What's your definition of dope? Oh, man. That's a really good one. But Mm -hmm. I think dope is just a new perspective on the same old thing. Like, there's really nothing new under the sun, but sometimes it's the best or the dopest thing that can happen is like looking at the same old thing in a different way. I think that's what dope is. It's like breathing new life into something. I think that's what dope is.
0: Hmm. So you say you love art. That's right. So what artists do you think breathe new life into art? And it could be any kind of art. It could be visual art. It could be musical art. It could be
1: comedic art as you love. Oh man. I think, (laughs) uh, well, I, First, like uh, visual arts, one of my first ones. I'm actually uh, headed in April to uh, the Basquiat show. So I have seen him at the, his work at the Broad. I have seen it at the high here, the, you know, the papers and all of that. Um, I think he did something unique in that he had a very childlike approach to art instead of having this like crazy, uh, you know, super complicated square in the middle of a, you know, fully white canvas type of thing that was left up interpretation. He had real literal words like don't shoot. Right. Mm -hmm. In in a very childlike manner, I think that's kind of going back to my dope thing is that there was a fresh perspective on the same old thing. Uh, That's for the visual art. I think in music, there's a lot of young people who are doing it in different ways. I'm hearing a lot more 90s uh, R&B coming back, things like that during a different time. that was just powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, R&B was huge in that time, but you got to think 90s was the whole, you know, for our generation of listening to music. That was the whole death row era and, you know. Jermaine Dupree and all of the people who are pretty much still producers now, uh, the Pharrells and all of them—they were around at that time. We're hearing their music being sampled, so I think that that level of art is um, showing itself. Like it stood the test of time. It means you old, bro. Yeah, yeah that too.
0: <laughs> if they sample in Jermaine Dupree, we old. That's all that <laughs> means. So you talked about being childlike, right? And um, as a Christian and a Bible reader, you know the Bible tells us to come as a child. Mm -hmm. So how do you what do you think the secret is to looking at art or whatever it is you're doing in life and to remain childlike and attach it to your experiences, but still address it as a child, still have that fervor
1: of a child? Yeah, you know, it's something I couldn't understand before. Um, You know, they always talk about people who are yes men. You have people around you who just say yes and agree with anything that you say. I was like, who doesn't want people to agree with them, right? Especially <laughs> if my idea is a good idea, right? But there's a, there's some wisdom in people being honest with you. And I think it's because you can't learn anything new when you think you already know something. And I mm. think approaching it like a child, I think that really is what that means. It's like, look at this, you know, in a way like you can always learn something. I always say I know what I know about what I know, but I don't know all there is to know about what I know. So there's always a different way uh, to get new information about something you think, you know, or a different way to do it. So um, I think that's what that um, verse means.
0: Mm, so approaching life in your ignorance. Yeah. you. Mm. you the that's dope.
1: smarter you get, I think you realize, you know, very little.
0: <laughs> right. 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 The more you know, the
1: less you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The more you know, you don't know. Like, exactly. I'm, I'm very convinced. Um, that, and it's a lot of really just our ego, you know, that makes us think we know more than we do. Like,
0: no. He's <laughs> like, no. Definitely not. This is not how it works. So, you've approached the um, entrepreneurial world, of course, childlike, because you jump into it and you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've done this. So, you sell weave, yeah. you sell coffee. <laughs> Um, you're jumping into the NFT world, mm-hmm. um, which is everybody's talking about right now. Yeah, um, you sell anything that makes sense. <laughs> so
1: legal things, this, yes,
0: legal things. Yes, legal things. People, legal things. Uh, I sell dope here at Everyday <laughs> Dope, but the metaphorical kind.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. So where did this entrepreneurial spirit come from?
1: Um, you know that um, it's probably not the best. It's uh, one of my favorite aunts. Uh, she used to be a nurse. And uh, she let her tell her she still is, but she's too old to work. But she <laughs> she used to be a nurse, and she would come home. I, I, I'm assuming she worked the 11 to 7 shift, right? And she would come, and my mom had us staying over there because, you know, she was, like, trying to go to college at the time. My mom was real young when she had me, and both of my parents were. And um, so we would go over there, and then this – I don't know if you know, like, this company called PV had these massive concert-style speakers. They might still be in business, but – she had these in like her garage, and like these people would come over at like eight o'clock in the morning, right? These people would like party and like mm. hang out. It was like morning, like we're eating cereal, like stealing your underoos kind of morning.
0: Your auntie ran a dive, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, so,
1: and so she would have us collect, like you know, people got favors or whatever, and she would have us collect. And she was doggish about it. But there was just something about that exchange of like doing something for people. They were happy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I got the spark. I've thought about this a lot. And I think that's where I got the spark uh, from. It now I'm not taking responsibility whether or not she paid her taxes or not. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's where I got the spark from.
0: Um, Yeah, I heard TD Jake say one time, if you go into business for money, it's going to fail. Absolutely. But if you go into it to help people, you know you know, you're probably going to get that thing to flourish a little bit. How do you feel about that? Oh,
1: man. I mean, you said, like you said, I sell hair. Like, I had no interest in the hair business. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it was just never something on my radar. But I saw the quality of it. People were talking about the smell. And, you know, I just started looking into it, and I'm seeing they put chemicals and all this kind of stuff into it. And I'm like, hold on. The people who are cutting it off their heads and and having it wefted and all of that um, are not the people who are consuming it the most. Right. So it's just the middle people that make all of the money off of it. It's really just the supply, not getting to the demand. And I was like, how hard can this be? So I went and checked it out. It's actually not that complicated. Right. I mean, you do have to go a few places in the world to figure it out. But (laughs) yeah, it's really not that complicated. And I wanted to bring high quality hair to women like it. It really was all about that. I had to learn and go to salons and sit and see what was wrong and all that stuff. And it wasn't my interest. So. As you can imagine, like if you were doing it for money, you just like listen, just get to the part where. You well, know, I sell the hair. Yeah, how much you need? <laughs> like, it wasn't like that. I had to understand what they wanted. Um, you know, now they talk about knots and you know, transparent lace and all this stuff. I have to learn what that stuff is in order for that business to thrive. So, I do it out of the passion of helping others. My primary business software, I still love it. Like I still wake up every morning excited about it. It's it. One of the big things about it is that I'm able to impact other people that have careers and they'll take care of their families. That's the big part for me. But the other part is I just really like doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I would do it for no money. I don't want anybody listening to this getting confused. You have to pay. But <laughs> <laughs> if I want to give it away, I will. But if you want it's to, nobody else's choice. But yeah, I I still am excited about um, building new things. And then when people bring you their their problems, really. And we solved them. Yeah, that's mm. that's that's how I think you should go about it. No. Now
0: that's dope. Mm-hmm. You're a problem solver. Yeah. So you, like you said, your primary business is software, and we talked earlier about how you uh, run and own and operate and all this stuff
1: for a Cairo
0: Consulting. What was the first language you wrote in?
1: Uh, the very first language, and I'm really dating myself. I don't know I'm <laughs> not gonna, well, gonna say COBOL. <laughs> <laughs> Fortran, no. Oh uh, Jesus, no, that's what the punch cards. Binary, um, yeah. <laughs> just wrote it on paper. Um, no, the first language I wrote in was uh, VB, Visual Basic. Oh, okay. Uh, version four.
0: Okay, I did. I did Visual Basic too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and so was, that ain't that bad.
1: I, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, .Net was started in two thousand and two. Just to give you an example of like how old Visual Basic is, and it retired in version six. So. That puts some perspective on it. It was was definitely mid-90s. Yeah, but I still... You and Pup Daddy was
0: blowing up at the same time. I know, right? (laughs)
1: They were in Atlanta at the time hanging out. Frozen Palace.
0: Okay, so Visual Basic. Yes. Um, Now, you wrote the backbone code for Book My Stylist. We talked about this last time, but... The interview we had was a little, <laughs> it was my first one. So, you know, we're making this way better. Oh, wowzers. Okay,
1: so tell me about the process of uh, writing Book My Stylus. Okay, so Book My Stylus uh, was something I actually finished in 2008. I think I started about 2005, 2006, and I had this idea of simplifying the process. So at the time, another business, I owned uh, a couple barber shops, and nobody really did appointments then. Uh, if you have to think there were no apps like there are now for you to just do anything. And so um, creating a website so that business people could schedule to come in earlier before they went to the office um, was what the concept was. But I really wanted to make it simple, like a three-step, like tell me who you are, select a service and the person and check out. Like at the time there was no credit card or anything, but that process is something that I patented. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2010, Um, I had kind of given up on it. i left it out there to run. I was making a little money off of it. And then I was approached by a VC firm. That firm was like, uh, Hey, uh, this is pretty cool. Um, You know, we'd like to use it. You know, I'm thinking, okay, cool. They'll buy a couple of licenses and move on. Um, That ended up being a six figure uh, deal. And it's something that for all the stylists out there, you've definitely used the product before. (laughs) You've definitely used it before. Um, They have very few competitors. Um, Now, I'm starting to see a few others pop up, but it's the original um, booking software for salons that you see. So they took it and put put a pretty face on it and um, got 10 years out of the license up until 2020 is when it expired. Mm. Um, That money gone. (laughs) But you were definitely helping people with your
0: passion. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And then you see people using it and complaining about it and (laughs) there was nothing I could do. Uh, to change it because what they bought, they really were just trying to saturate the market for newer products.
0: Mm. So one of the things that we have in common is that you love comedy. I love comedy. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) I attempt to perform comedy. I'm getting better at it. And um, you're working on a virtual comedy club. Yeah. Mm. So tell me about the process on that and what's going
1: to be the end result. Okay. So uh, if you have an Oculus, Oculus Quest 2, On those devices, that's what we call VR or virtual reality. Um, Just a little explanation, when you are able to, like, use your phone and put things in your room, that's augmented reality. That means to add to, but virtual reality, you're all the way in there. So when you see people wearing those headsets, um, that's what I'm talking about. So imagine yourself being able to go to see your favorite artist. I don't know, your Kevin Hart's, your Dave Chappelle's, whoever you you like, and um, being able to go to that concert, but you don't have a babysitter. Right. Being able to go to that show, pay for the seat you want and have the same view, hear the same voice. They're performing live for you right then, just like they were in your living room. But they're on your eyes. You're a part of a show. You bought your ticket you're in the comfort of your home, eating your own food. I mean, you have on goggles, so be careful, but you you're, you're, <laughs> you're enjoying the show just the same. And it's you know, that's the product that we're putting out is the virtual comedy theater Um, And it's going to revolutionize the way that we consume comedy, not that we shouldn't go in person anymore. I still love the, you know, the old smoky rooms and all of that. I, I think that that should always be a thing. But, you know, COVID taught us that we can't do things the same way all the time. So a small artist can have a big following without having to be in, you know, Massachusetts tonight. You know, he can be there but not be there. And so that's really what I'm bringing Uh, to the masses is the ability to perform anywhere and everywhere when people want to see you, not just in person.
0: Mm -hmm. So what comedian do you think brings a new perspective and approaches comedy in a childlike way?
1: In a childlike way. Wow. Um, I don't know. I think um, to be a really big comedian, you kind of got to be a little into yourself. You got (laughs) to know, you know what I mean? (laughs) Your stuff is funny. Um, You know, I've been watching it for a really long time, and some of the vets. um, I actually just watched uh, Earthquakes.
0: uh, I did, I did, I did. It was
1: pretty good. I mean, to see a vet really mm. do it, and it was like, and still uh, like
0: to do it. Looks like he still
1: loved it doing it. The timing was impeccable. Like he didn't stop the whole time. He literally had an hour plus of material back to back to back. Uh, I was inspired by that work ethic because he said it was fifty
0: eight. He did say he was fifty eight. Yeah,
1: fifty eight, and he had that kind of work that work ethic beyond an hour of content. I mean he was killing it. There was no long breaks or man, you know it's crazy. You know, know <laughs> yeah. How they started walking around. Yeah, I I think that he had a fresh perspective on he had to reach a new audience. because uh, he had never done a Netflix special before. And so I think he had a new approach to the same old game. Like it was uh it was a big deal to to watch that. Um Ali Wong's oh. was, was really really insightful Uh, (laughs)
0: really good yeah
1: but you know i like comedy to the point like i like ellen DeGeneres. i like you know all types of comedy i don't like maybe carrot top that's not my preference (laughs) Right, (laughs) but you know i can get into all of it because i like the stories that are are baked into it they they tell you a little bit about themselves with each joke and so i think it's like uncovering this mystery and you kind of have to have a quirk to really be a comic so i I love the craft Mm So
0: you've written a lot of apps. We talked about Book My Stylist. And, you know, you're working on this comedy thing. Yeah. And so you've obviously been successful here. And often you use the phrase, money don't spoil. Right. <laughs> so can you kind of tell the audience, you know, uh, what about this model is money don't spoil? What does that actually mean to you and the community around you?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I've, it's, I mean, I was probably playing future on the way over. It's just on my parents, you know, and March Madness, you know, F up some commas, right? We find (laughs) new ways to get rid of our money. Like I, I just don't understand that kind of mentality. Like it took a really long time to get to the point where, you know, you can be like, okay, I think we're going to be all right. And to try to send myself back, As fast as humanly possible. (laughs) I don't really understand that. It's not going to spoil. Like, keep it on you. Like, nothing's going to happen. The real (laughs) W in life, I think I heard uh, OutKast say this, was like, you know, you're putting your kids through college, you know, buy your mama house, all of that. Like, nobody sees that, but that's where the real W is. It's like, if everybody takes care of their people, Right. there'll be fewer people with a need. Like, we'll all be okay. Um, It's not really yours. You're just a temporary steward over it. So if you misuse it, it'll just create more problems for you. So devote your time to trying to do something and then the money comes. And then when you get it, do things with it, like plan on leaving it so that someone else doesn't have to start over or, you know, take out these student loans that are apparently plaguing most of America. Like these kind of things ruin lives when people have to start work earlier. Right. And not really seek out their passion. So I, I always say to people the money's not gonna spoil it's not going anywhere like just hold on to it you'd be amazed when hard times come i think gas is five dollars right now, right <laughs> yeah it is. right you might need that money from the club <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you
0: might need the hookah money yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you say the money don't spoil take care of the people around you who need it that's right um which brings me to the fact that you could be Founded Publix, paying for people's groceries. That's right. So how did you get to the philanthropist
1: part of uh, Calvin Brown? Oh, man. um, That was, um, you know, during, uh, I think it was Thanksgiving of last year. And I had my friends over. And we were all just, you know, kind of happy that we could really get back together. And just kind of thinking about how COVID had done so many families. And personally, I lost, you know, really close friends. Uh, during this period and so you know just really being thankful and I was like yo let's let's get together and let's go to Kroger and so my college roommate um, happens to you know be about the size of a small bus so I was (laughs) like we need security (laughs) Um, so I was like "Um, yo let's 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 go to Kroger and I was like let's just buy groceries like whoever's in line right now like we can't let them just go in the store and shop I'm not trying to buy a Kroger I just (laughs) want to buy these groceries and so we went, man, and um, one of my good friends was like, um, you should film it. Like, So I'm not really big on that stuff, but we did it. And, man, you would, I mean, you know, I'm kind of a, I take on other people's energies, man. So people crying and all this about some cake batter, I just really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a lot to take in if 20 people do that. Um, so, you know, it was a little difficult uh, to do, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I just wanted to make an impact. For that time. And people told me stories like, uh, it's an older lady. She was like, she has her grandson and she was only going to be able to do a limited amount of things. And I made it possible for her to be able to pay for the things that she really wanted and not the things that she needed. And I think what she got was probably less than $30. Right. So stuff like that to have that kind of impact. I think that's why um, you have certain kinds of favor because you're not just trying to serve yourself. Like you're you're trying to do something for other people, and I mean, for the most part, too. I mean, really, I mean, how many pairs of shoes? How many cars? I mean, at a certain point, it it just becomes stuff. Um, <laughs> so you should definitely try to help the community that helps you.
0: Yeah, I have this saying: "You never need the third taco."
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I'm like at a
0: certain point, it's just it's just gluttony. It's gluttony. you know, what I'm saying if you if you make fifty million dollars or you make sixty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. We can all afford two tacos.
1: That's right. <laughs> like That's you
0: never right. need the third one anyway. Right. So what are you doing with the rest of it? Help somebody else. You all yeah, right. And
1: I think the idea of greed too. I, I think there's two incurable things: uh, greed and jealousy. Mm. Um, when you meet a jealous person, they're kind of always that way. That's been my experience. And greed is just like an infection. It's like it just never really fully heals. And I just I've always tried to avoid uh, those two. I just. I just don't think that they're they are they're good traits. I think they infect you in some kind of way.
0: Mm. All right, Adjo. So you feel like dopeness is being able to have a new perspective and approach something in a childlike manner. You've written successful apps, which is amazing. You sell hair. <laughs> like, on the side. On the <laughs> side. This man got a side hustle selling hair. <laughs> oh,
1: man, it's extremely profitable.
0: <laughs> and then you love to help other people. All that is amazing and super dope. We appreciate you for that. But now, it's time to figure out if you know what's going on in these streets. All right, Joe, we've reached a point of the show we call What's the Dopest? You get this question wrong, we put you outside of the house. It's dark and we in the country, you might get eaten by a mountain lion. (laughs) So I hope you get this question right What's the dopest sir An open mic comedy show Or the NBA finals
1: Oh man (laughs) The last time you did this to me I said I was going to be prepared mentally (laughs) For it Well Um, last time I didn't know you that well (laughs) Yeah Oh man Depends on the kind of seats I have (laughs) In which show?
0: Which one? At the game? At, 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 the, at the game, yeah. <laughs> Can
1: I see the action or, you know, am I up there, you know, with my shirt off with this guy with the beer <laughs> hat on? You know what I mean? It's cold up there, you know? <laughs> it it really depends. Um, it really depends on, on the show. If it's just local comics who know the crowd, who do this all the time that's kind of hard to beat. That's kind of hard hard to (laughs) beat. You hear things that are just funny, even when you recite it to yourself, like you can hear them saying it. Um, Yeah. Some things are just funny. And most comics look funny too. So it's like a whole... I
0: know. That's what's wrong with me. I'm too cute, bro. That's the issue. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? I back. got light brown eyes and braces. I'm not supposed to be funny. <laughs> it's holding you back,
1: man. Yeah, you, you're doing too well I, in life. I need to... <laughs> That's true. I need to get back fat or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with the, with the comedy show. You just can't beat that level of intimacy. Mm. Um, I mean, with the game, again, you got 30,000 close friends. But that level of intimacy, I think that's an art... Um, I heard it said once that if you went to a school and your kid had 200 people captive for 30 minutes, tell them anything, they would call them a genius. Mm-hmm. In comedy, a person can do a whole hour and somebody be like, I mean. He was like, It's an art. It's a he real tried. art. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, he's not that funny. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> the comments you get. Um, I think we forget how hard it is to stand up in front of other people and bare your soul. I mean, that's something really hard to do. And a lot of them are really being honest about who they are. And, you know, they get, uh, they used to get tomatoes thrown at them. Mm-hmm. You know? For it to continue as an artist, there has to be some pretty tough people. I mean, you know, making fun of some of the people in the crowd who paid for their tickets. Like, that's a pretty brave soul. <laughs>
0: I'll throw something at your head, too. you messing with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he going with the comedy show. I don't know. John Morant, man, is in the NBA Finals, and I was on the floor, man. I don't know how to lead them comics in the Gotham City. I don't it's know. It's hard
1: to beat, man. It's hard to beat when you're there, and everybody get excited. It's that energy, man. It's it's real. <laughs> it's real.
0: So what's next for you, sir?
1: Oh, man. So we, uh, Virtual Comedy Tour, uh Virtual Comedy Oh, theater. I'll be
0: on the Virtual Comedy Tour, y'all. That's right. <laughs> uh, virtual Comedy
1: Theater is almost done um, we're doing the ticketing portion of it now where you can buy your tickets or do your show for free. And we just have what we call workout rooms where you can literally just invite an audience on and just do your thing. Um, it's a limited amount of time, like do like 25 minutes or whatever, but it's really just for you to work out, uh, over a period of time. Um, and then save that so you can work on your art. So I really am devoting resources to this, wow. um, to this craft. I love, however, if you in the market for an investment, um, you know, we are, uh, looking to expand this thing. Uh, it's already an, a worldwide product, right? Because it's inside the um, Facebook, uh, what we would call the metaverse, but it's really in the um, uh, Oculus store. Um, but, you know, no we're looking for investment to expand and to do other things. We've already done a lecture hall, which you can see online, um, which we're trying to approach, um, which I left aside. We're approaching venues like TED Talks and things like that. To do virtual studies. Mm. So we have really big plans. So mm. that's what's next for us.
0: All right. All right. Tell the folks where they can find Facebook, Instagram, the Twitter, the smoke signal, the love note.
1: Yeah, so um, excuse me, you can go to I im calvinbrown.com. That's the letter I is an igloo. AM like the start of America, calvinbrown.com. That'll point you to all the good places on Twitter. Um, I'm at I am. It's underscore Calvin Brown And on Instagram It's I am underscore Calvin Brown I may or may not have that right There may or may not be an underscore But all that's on my website www.iamcalvinbrown.com
0: Alright folks Y'all go look agile up Make sure you're approaching life In a childlike way Like bring a new perspective To the stuff that you're doing You got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich Figure out how to make it different All right. You know, so we thank you for coming by here, Adjo. You sell hair, you do all these amazing and wonderful things, sir. You're super, super dope. We thank you for being here. We thank you for coming to Everyday Dope. And we thank you for being the guy behind the logo for Everyday Dope. Because you are awesome, sir. We thank you for coming here. And we're going to holler at you on the other side. Thank you for tuning in to Everyday Dope. We hope you were inspired to live in your dopeness and celebrate the dopeness around you. Don't forget to rate, review, and share with your crew. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitter at My Everyday Dope. I'm your host, Mr. Sheffield, and we will see you on the other side. Oh, oh other side yeah we gonna see y'all on the other side thank y'all for listening (laughs) you such great people